0: I still remember our high school football pep rallies. For one year, I played trumpet in the marching band, so I went to the rallies, and they were electric. The players, the coaches, the students all spoke for a few minutes and pumped the crowd up inside the gym. On some of those special games, we adjourned to the parking lot, and the players beat up an old beater of a car with baseball bats. If we could have bottled up all that energy and poured it on the players at the start of the game, we'd win every home game by 50. But we couldn't. And we didn't. We even lost a few home games, even though we felt like we could run every play backwards and blindfolded and still win. But we still lost because the pep rallies didn't always translate to much of a difference whenever the whistle blew. We're not the first to try to win after a pep rally. There was a pep rally back in Israel's day, back in 1 Samuel, but they weren't playing football, they were playing for keeps. The winner gets to live, the loser doesn't. It wasn't football. It was war, and Israel was losing. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to LJ Harry, and you're listening to Too Much to Take on Simplify. After the first battle, the Philistines did some serious damage. Israel counted up their dead and wounded, and They counted 4,000 Israelite soldiers dead. They couldn't believe it. They were the same nation who marched out of Egypt, crossed the Red Sea, defeated the formidable foes at Jericho, but they lost to the Philistines. Time had changed, but what had changed during that time? They wanted to know. So they asked each other, and somebody figured it out. Oh, I know what's wrong. We are missing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It was that beautiful wooden box overlaid with gold that symbolized the presence of God. Hey, if we can bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord with us into battle, guys, we can't lose. Well, stop standing there staring at me. Go get it. So they sent a few fellows to Shiloh to get the Ark of the Covenant, while the rest of Israel waited and worried that the Philistines would come back for round two before the Ark could get back. When they got to Shiloh, they found Eli's two scoundrels for sons standing there with the Ark. The men brought it back into the camp, and Israel shouted with such a shout. Their shout shook the earth. They were so excited. They were so relieved. They were so happy. They were so ready to get back into battle and take back what the enemy took from them. You could hear the shouts throughout the camp, Let's go, let's go, let's go. The Philistines were encamped on the other side of no man's land, and they too heard the shouts, and they felt the earth shake. What in tarnation is going on in Israel? We just wallop them. What are they shouting about? Suddenly news spread through the Philistines that the Israelites had their secret weapon, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. The Philistines studied enough game film to know that Israel was a formidable foe when God was on their side. This same God opened the Red Sea for the Israelites and slammed it shut on the Egyptians. The Philistines were not just fighting Israel. They were fighting Israel's God, and they knew they didn't stand a chance. They could feel the momentum shifting from their camp to Israel's camp. So they held a pep rally of their own. Get a hold of yourselves, men. If you don't fight to win this war, you'll be their slaves forever. You get out there. You be a man. You fight for everything you're worth. And they did. The battle lines were drawn again. The Philistines and Israelites battled again, and they fought for everything they were worth. But this time, Israel had that wooden box overlaid with gold that symbolized the presence of God. But the presence of God is not a magic charm. God did not fight for Israel just because they had the box. Israel had sinned so deeply. They had run so far and so fast from God that the presence of God was not with them, even though the box was. And by the end of that war, the Philistines killed 30,000 more Israelites, including Eli's two sinful, idolatrous sons, and they captured the Ark of the Covenant. But no matter what they thought, or Israel thought, or anybody else thought, they did not capture God. They just captured the wooden box overlaid with gold that symbolized the presence of God. After all the bloodshed of that battle, a messenger ran to find Eli to tell him what happened. Eli was nearly one hundred years old by that time, and he was blind. He heard rumors and rumblings, but he hadn't heard the official word from the battle. What was the score? Did they win? Did they lose? If they did lose, how bad was it? Was the Ark of the Covenant safe? Was it still with Israel? Was God still with Israel? The messenger tore his clothes and threw dust on his head to show his grief, but Eli couldn't see any of it. He was blind. So the messenger spoke, Sir, I, I just came from the battlefield. I, I've been there all day. Well, what happened? We lost, sir. The Philistines beat us badly. They slaughtered us. I'm so sorry, sir, but your sons, Hophni and are they're, they're both dead. And the ark of God has been captured. They have the ark, Eli. It was too much to take. When Eli heard the ark of God had been captured, he he knew that meant God was no longer with Israel, or so he thought. He was so broken. He was so grieving. He lost his balance on his chair. He fell back. He broke his neck and died. Eli's daughter-in-law was about to have Phineas' baby, but when she heard the ark of God had been captured, she went into labor. It was too much to take. That labor took a deadly toll on her body, and as she was giving birth, The labor was taking her life, and she named her son Ichabod, which means, where is the glory? Her husband was dead. Her father-in-law was dead. 30,000 Israelite soldiers were dead, and she was next. And those pagan Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. It was arguably Israel's darkest day for her, for them, for all of them. It was too much to take. But no matter what they thought or Israel thought or anybody else thought, they did not capture God. But the Philistines were forever more pumped up. They thought they had captured God. They marched the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord into the temple of their God, Dagon. He was half fish, half man. It was very weird. The Ark was his trophy. Dagon had defeated Jehovah. Or so they thought. But when the Philistines came back to the temple to worship their god Dagon the next morning for defeating Israel's god, they found their god face down in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Well, that was strange. So they hefted their man-made god Dagon back up in his place, and they closed up shop for the day, and they went home for the night. They came back in the morning, and they could not believe their bloodshot eyes. Their god was face down on the ground before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord again. But this time, his head and hands were broken off, lying on the doorway of the temple. And it was just the wooden box overlaid with gold that symboled the presence of God, and it was too much for Dagon to take. The Philistines thought they had defeated God, but they only brought him behind enemy lines. And he was just getting started to fight for Israel against the Philistines. God sent a plague throughout Philistia that would make the Egyptians shudder. The Philistines knew they were in trouble. The ark was too much to take. They shipped it off to Gath, another one of their Philistine cities, and God plagued everyone in Gath. So they knew they had to get it out of Philistia, get it back to Israel. They set the ark on a cart, they hitched it to a couple of cows, and sent them back in the direction of Israel, and the ark of the covenant that was captured by the Philistines came back into Israel. Israel was ecstatic. But a few curious Israelites opened up the lid called the Mercy Seat, and God killed 70 of them on contact, right then and there, just for looking into the ark. They forgot the God they served was not like the Philistine gods. Their God was alive, and he is holy, and they were not. Keeping the ark for them was too much to take. So they called some other Israelites to come and get the ark, and they did. They kept it for about 20 years, but they knew something had changed. For 20 years, even though they had the ark, it did not seem like they had the favor or the presence of God. So for 20 years, all of Israel mourned because they felt like God had abandoned them. And then Samuel, that young boy we met just one episode ago, he stood up now having been in his perhaps 20s, maybe 30s, and preached his first sermon to the children of Israel. Eli was gone. Now Samuel was God's man for God's people. And he preached to them that they needed to repent. God was not too far away. They were not too far gone. Just repent. Get rid of their worthless, helpless idols. Turn from sin. Turn back to God. And God would gladly, graciously forgive them and fight for them again. And so they did. They destroyed their idolatrous images. They fasted. And they worshipped only the Lord God, Jehovah. And God forgave them. And God fought for them. The next time the Philistines tried to attack, God was on Israel's side. This time would not be like the last time. This time, Israel got it right. Israel had repented, and God had forgiven. And God sent the Philistines into such a panic, they couldn't even fight when their lives depended on it. And Israel soundly defeated the Philistines, recovered the cities the Philistines stole. And the Philistines didn't come back for years and years. The loss of the Ark of the Covenant was too much for Eli and his daughter-in-law to take. But the Philistines found that capturing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was too much for them to take. And just as soon as Israel repented of their sins, their repentance was too much for God to take. And he graciously and gladly forgave them and fought for them again. Maybe you're in a battle for your soul or for your family. And you feel like God is a thousand miles away. You might even be going to church. You might be singing in the worship service. You might be giving in the offering. You might have the box. But if you feel like God isn't fighting for you anymore, ask God if something has come between you and him. He'll let you know because he wants you to be in right relationship with him. But we have to have more than just the box. We need the presence of God. And we'll only have the presence of God when we are living in a way that honors and pleases God. Learn a lesson from Israel. If anything has come between you and God, repent. Ask God to forgive you, and He will. Then ask God to fight for you, and He will. I would like us to pray. Pray that the Lord would help us to make sure there's nothing between us and Him. Make sure that our lives are right with Him. And ask God to fight our battles with us, for us, go before us, and fight for us what we cannot fight on our own. Lord Jesus, we love you. We need you. Thank you for telling us this story in your word to give us insight into what we need to be and what we need to do. I ask you today, help us, Jesus, to live a life that honors and pleases you. If there is anything in my life at all that has come between you and me, if there are any idols, if I worship anything beside you or before you, God, if, if I am so infatuated with anything more than you or in addition to you, please forgive me. I don't want any other gods in my life. I need you to fight my battles. I cannot fight them on my own. I will lose. I need you, and I want to be right with you. Help everyone listening. God, help every one of us to come to that place of repentance and getting our hearts right with you so you will fight for us and you will be with us. I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your grace. I ask you this today, and thank you for mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much, Simplify listeners. Be sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, and let others know about the podcast. If you're going to be in Indianapolis this week, I look forward to seeing you at General Conference. I'll be in the Pentecostal Resources booth, and I would be glad if you have a copy of Simplify, Ten Words, or the new book, Blessed Are. Happy to sign a copy of it for you. I will be there signing books, especially on Thursday night, but I'll be there pretty much the whole week. So stop by the PRG booth. I would love to meet you, even if you don't have a book or don't want a book, but would love to say hi and let me know if Simplify has been a blessing to you. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to hear from you. So please stop by and see me. If you're not going to be at General Conference, you can pick up any of those books I just mentioned, at Pentecostalpublishing.com. You can get those online, and I do believe fairly soon, Blessed R will be available on Audible. Ten words already is, and hopefully, if I get it recorded, so we'll simplify. So those are some of the projects in the works. Next week, I want to share with you a devotion called Give Us a King. You guessed it. We're into the days of the first king of Israel, King Saul. I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week, and always, Look forward to walking closer with Jesus as we walk through Simplify.